Welcome to the Life Podcast. We're so glad you're joining us for another hope-filled message. We pray that you're encouraged by this powerful word from our Sunday service. How are you this morning? It's great to see a full house. I'm very, very aware of what God wants to do today. The only thing I'm not aware about is if my bad dad jokes are going to work. You know, so I don't think it's even a joke. It's just a thought. My mind still thinks I'm 25, but my body thinks my mind is an idiot. Um, Sorry. (laughs) When I'm stressed, I eat ice cream, cake, chocolate and sweets. Why? Because stressed, spelt backwards, is desserts. There you go. Just for all the young ladies in the church that are thinking of dating, uh, a word for dating young ladies, if he doesn't appreciate your fruit jokes, you need to let that man go. Someone like that. I feel better now. I didn't know if they were going to work. But all jokes aside, God always speaks. But sometimes He speaks in a way you just can't miss it. It's very, very clear. And right now around the world, while the world is getting darker, there's a bright light beginning to shine again that is bringing about an awakening that is quite amazing. And today I'm not going to share a deep theological message, but my own story with some of the things we're about to see and that I have already seen. I've been in many, many, many thousands of meetings where you walk into a meeting and by the moment the meeting starts, you know God is speaking. It's happened this morning. We could just go through every song we've just sung, the little bit that's been shared already and God has been speaking. Last Sunday, I walked into the prayer meeting and God begins to speak to me about today. And someone sends me a text going, I don't know what to do with this text, but I felt I needed to send it to you during the prayer meeting. A total amen to what I believe God is saying. During the meeting, a passage of Scripture deeply came into my heart that I've known all my life. And felt that I needed to touch on that. And as I'm walking out down the aisle, a lady comes up to me. She goes, I don't know, but I had to bring you this Scripture. Listen to me, I've got to give you this Scripture. It was that Scripture. I know when God speaks. And in the thousands and thousands of meetings that I've been in, there's times when there's been that grab of God that says we need to listen to this. And this morning, I believe it's one of those moments. And At the end of the service, in fact, when worship prophesies, like this morning, God speaks. And this is what He put in my heart. And then Pastor Tony started to say it when he got up and I thought, wow. Sometimes you think, oh, he's taking my line. No, no. When God repeats Himself, He doesn't have a speech impediment. And as we were worshipping this morning and God's presence was here, God gave me words for people in this room that today God wants to turn your sadness back into gladness. Your brokenness into openness. Your hopelessness back into hope. Your impossible back into possible. Your despair, and I wasn't sure with this one. Your despair into destiny. How can we go from despair to destiny? 
God can take the darkest times of our lives and shift us into His destiny. You go, I'm too far gone for God. I've made too many mistakes. I've been away from God. But in the darkest hour, we can discover the greatest destiny when God interrupts our lives. And this morning we can go from discouragement to encouragement. At the end of my share, I don't think it's gonna be that long, but at the end of my sharing, we're gonna sing a song and I'm gonna invite many of you that wanna see that shift happen just to come out for prayer today because don't miss the moment. But you know what? If it's just a moment, you'll come and go and not much will change. But a moment will turn to movement. And when it turns to movement, it releases momentum. And this morning, I've entitled my message, Personal Revival, because something is stirring in the world right now, which we're calling an awakening. In fact, I was just mentioning to Pastor Tony and he said something, I can't say it as good as him. What did you tell me before at the break? I've got to tell him. You've got to tell him. Listen, you get paid for this, so come on, come on. <laughs> no, no, I'm joking. What did I say? <laughs> what did you say? What were you talking about? Okay, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what we're talking about. I said, when God does something, that's a breakthrough. But when we do something off the back of God doing something, that's where we get the victory. And so when God does a sovereign move, when God awakens, we get a breakthrough. But victory comes when we act on what God has said. We can go home now. So over 50 years, For many of those years, I've seen times of incredible awakening. Times I cannot deny it was God. And right now a movie's coming out called The Jesus Revolution. And uh, you know, some of you may have seen the trailer with Kelsey Grammer who cries as he talks about his part in acting, the part of a pastor who saw an awakening in the 70s called The Jesus Movement. It was at that time that Sharon and I met. I was 16 at the time. And at that time, we were going to Clemsic Church here in Adelaide and there was lots of youth camps. And we would go off to those youth camps and God would so supernaturally move that I can never forget those moments that totally shifted our thinking and our lives. I had so many of them and the Jesus movement broke out. We all looked a bit like hippies. We all had long hair and, and, and uh, you know, we wore the T-shirts, yellow T-shirts with one-way Jesus on the front of our T-shirts. And it was a bit like a copy of the Woodstock era of the hippie movement, but it had something wholesome and real. And I believe Chuck Smith, which you will see in the movie when it comes out here in Australia in a week or two, that a little tiny church of a pastor who's about to resign because he doesn't know what to do. One hippie walks in, gets baptised by the Holy Spirit, gets changed by God. And within a short period, 5,000 people get baptised in California. A movement that touched the entire world and it touched our lives. With it, and I wanna prophesy this, with every new awakening, there comes new music. There comes songs that prophesy what God is saying. 
And at that time, the entire music industry changed and churches rejected the music because it was sung by people that didn't look right. Their hair was too long. They looked like hippies and the music was too rock and roll. And churches were split over whether this was a move of God. But history proves that it really was. And many Hollywood, or sorry, yeah, American musicians, superstars, some of you wouldn't even know the name Barry Maguire, who used to be in the musical called Hair, who got marvellously transformed. And many like him, and they started to come to Australia. Many of them came to our home. Some of them stayed with us. And we got to experience such a era of transformation that was happening all around us and you could not deny it. A convention started here in Adelaide called the Charismatic Convention. Pastor Tony did the artwork for the advertising of that convention. 10,000 people gathering at the showgrounds. We had, I ran the youth side of it. I didn't know what I was doing, but they said, will you run the youth side? 3,000 youth. We're talking really, really uh, late 70s, early 80s. And people were lining up at Wayville to get into the Wayville showgrounds from all over Australia here in Adelaide. I remember attending a church called Clemsic Church, which is now uh, influences under Pastor Andrew and a revival or an awakening takes place where bikies are coming in and, and, and getting converted. And, and literally our services on Sunday, on o, just around the corner of OG Road on Lower North East Road, people would line up down the street to get into church. Lining up at the four o'clock service on a Sunday afternoon to get in. I saw those awakenings. I started to lead worship myself at that time, having had such a heart for, for music. And my wife and I joined with three or four others and we started a band. The band was called Emmanuel. I'll show you the picture in just a moment. Emmanuel, God with us. People got it wrong and called us enamel instead of Emmanuel. <laughs> it's great to have enamel with us tonight. We would sing harmonies and we would take secular songs and change the world. Change the world, change the words. <laughs> Change the words. I'm not getting too up myself here. But then we would have rehearsals in our house at St. Peter's. As a band, we didn't know much, but we would pray. And we would just sit on the floor. That's what hippies do and cross their legs. Get our acoustic guitars out and start singing and the presence of God would come. And in our rehearsals, we would get the sense of God being there. We started to then go around churches around South Australia and into Victoria and started to travel. And what we would do in our rehearsal in a room is we'd start playing a chord progression and we would just start singing in the Spirit. God would move and we started to teach churches how to openly worship Jesus. Never seen it before, never been there before. People would get touched by the power of God. And it would take me all morning to tell you story after story. I remember the day that I was in Melbourne when Youth Alive was born. But before I tell you that, I'll show you the picture because listen, we actually did a recording and it was on cassette. Does anybody in the room know what a cassette is? 
It wasn't even a CD. It was a cassette. I'll show you the picture if you can see it. That's me at the end when I only had one stripe in my pyjamas. That's how skinny I was then. And there's Sharon in the middle carrying our son, Michael. That was 1978. 1978, carrying Michael, who's now today serving Jesus, coming out of his brokenness into a place of openness. And I have seen incredible visitations. Youth Alive, as youth leaders gathered from around Australia, we drove to Melbourne because we couldn't afford to fly, stayed in a dingy, dingy, uh, what do you call it, motel in Dandenong. I'll never forget it because it had eight bricot walls and dark grey frames. You'd imagine those colours in those days. And we're just sitting around a table and one guy says, we really need more than just babysitting young people. We need a move that touches our nation. We slipped off our chairs onto our knees and for about two or three hours, we were weeping, praying, for the youth of our nation. And Youth Alive was born. I came back to South Australia and we started Youth Alive. We didn't know what we were doing. And by the way, Pastor Tony and Kath were there all the way. You haven't changed that much, which makes me feel a bit disappointed. But anyway, (laughs) no, no, I'm only joking. And we would gather in auditoriums and we saw so many young people touched. And I remember one night when Pastor Wayne Alcorn, we were at the Apollo Stadium and in the middle of speaking, we sensed a healing anointing. I don't know, were you there that night? A healing anointing hit the room and we get up and started singing one song and God just started to heal people with eye issues and people were taking their glasses off because they couldn't see with their glasses on. And we saw an incredible awakening. I cannot forget those moments. And I must say they do help me move forward in difficult times. But there's more because those awakenings can affect a church community. They can affect the local community. But when it turns to revival, it affects us personally. If I had only lived on those awakenings, I don't think I would have survived the pain I've been through in my life. But in those awakenings, they are opportunities. That's why I do get highly annoyed. I shouldn't say this. When I have counselling sessions and I speak with people and I tell them what God is gonna do on the Sunday because I know God wants to help them and they don't show up. They don't show up on Sunday, but they want another counselling appointment next week. And you think, but why don't you take advantage of the moments when God is in the room? And God is in the room today, I'm telling you. And I've lived through these awakenings, but genuine revival has to affect us personally because awakenings lead to a revival that leads to surrender. Someone said this morning, I I think it was Morgan, and I spoke at a meeting last night about this. And there's when revival touches your life, it releases something in you called yes. It's just yes. Those awakenings proved to me that God was actively involved in the world. But when He comes into me, 
and becomes a part of me, a yes comes out of me that has an effect. A lot of the revivals we talk about in the books, there was the Welsh revival in Wales at the turn of the century and and people were going from everywhere. They had to shut the pubs down because nobody was going to drink anymore. They had to shut down soccer games because nobody wanted to go anymore. They wanted to go to the revival as thousands would drive from all over the UK to go to Wales, to the Welsh revival. And one day a policeman is standing in the middle of the road directing the traffic to where the revival was. And someone pulled up and wound down their window and said, listen, can you show us where the revival is? And the policeman was being a bit funny and he goes, the revival is inside this uniform. And pointed to his uniform and said, the revival is inside this uniform. It's possible to stay in personal revival and still have crappy days. Let me tell you this morning that revival doesn't mean you're on cloud nine all the time. It's a reviving on the inside that when the stuff happens, I've probably had one of the worst days of my life this week and asked God if I could preach this message on another day. See, for those of us that preach what we live through the week doesn't take away the responsibility to share truth. So I'm preaching to me today because I need to constantly, every day of my life, be revived by Him. Stories told of a little town in America only had a few people and there was only one fruit shop. And it had been there for 30 years and then one day someone decides to start a new one. The old fruit shop owner got pretty jealous and upset, so he put a sign up. Established 35 years. The new fruit shop owner puts up his sign. Established two weeks ago, but fresh stock daily. It's one thing to be in church. And I have been all my life. Establish 50 years. But is there fresh stock daily? Is there something happening in me? I believe we need the corporate moves of God and I feel they are happening right now. Let's take advantage, but there's extremes. The minute there's a revival in America, there's religious people on YouTube. It's not of God. It is of God. We can get confused and the Bible says there'll come a day when people will say, He's over there. He's over here. And you know, He is when He moves and awakens nations, but it's an offence to God to think that I got to get on an aeroplane and to go to another nation to go and bathe myself in something when I can have it every day inside of me. Inside of me. So the Scripture that was given to me on Sunday, which I've preached many sermons even from here, Ezekiel 37. The Lord took hold of me and I was carried away by the Spirit of the Lord to a valley filled with bones. He led me all around among the bones that covered the valley floor. They were scattered everywhere across the ground and were completely dried out, completely dried out. Then he asked me, son of man, can these bones become living people again? Oh, sovereign Lord, I replied, you alone know the answer to that. You know, during COVID, I heard Christians, many say, who knows? Maybe these are the, we've seen the best days of the church. 
Maybe things aren't gonna be greater in the future. I'm glad that when God says to Ezekiel, can these dead things live? At least he says, I don't know, but you know. God, you know. Then he said to me, speak a prophetic message to these bones and say, dry bones, listen to the Word of the Lord. This is what the Sovereign Lord says. Look, I am going to put breath into you and make you live again. I will put flesh and muscles on you and cover you with skin. I will put breath into you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. So I spoke this message just as He told me. Suddenly I spoke, there was a rattling noise all across the valley. The bones of each body came together and attached themselves as complete skeletons. Then as I watched, muscles and flesh formed over the bones, then skin formed to cover their bodies, but they still had no breath in them. And I'll just say it. And then God had to breathe and then they stood up, this incredible army. But I must say this morning, the standing up of an, that's an awakening. That's an awakening where a whole army stands up that was dead and dry. God, bring those awakenings now all over the world. We receive them. We recognise your timing. But it starts with one man standing up first. Ezekiel had to have a personal revival before we could see a corporate revival. And it started 37 chapters earlier when God called him to ministry and he said, son of dust, stand up. I'll put my spirit into you. And that man was called to one of the most difficult ministries. He would preach and nobody would listen. He would speak to the nation of Israel and they would take no notice of him. Imagine God telling you to lay down next to your own poo. Because that's what he told Ezekiel to do. Oh, that matches. The things He made Ezekiel do to show him the mess Israel was in. And 37 years, 37 chapters later, we hear these words, the Lord took hold of me. The first point I wanna share this morning is, are we ready to let the Lord take hold of us? The Lord took hold of me. Oh, but I'm disappointed. I'm hurt by the church. I don't like what the church did to me. If you let those things take hold of you, you will stay dead bones forever. The Lord took hold of me. And what does the Lord do when He takes hold of you? He shifts you. And guess where He takes you? To all the dead things in your life. We think when there's an awakening and God moves that we just feel unbelievable and all these miracles happen. No, when God gets hold of you, He shifts you. And when He shifts you, He takes you to all the dead things in your life. Why? Because He wants to revive you and He wants to bless you and make a new you. I call it the sift, the shift and the lift, which you've heard me say. God will always sift us in order to shift us, in order not to kill us, but to lift us. Because we all carry stuff we can't take to the next. God's still working with me. I have a genuine issue with temper and uh, get angry. You wouldn't think Pastor Kind Danny, but there's a certain button that people can press and I just lose my salvation for a few (laughs) moments. So I can't excuse that. I've got to keep working on that. And till the day I die, there'll be something that has to die, something that has to be shifted and lift and sifted 
because God wants to lift us. The Lord took hold of me. He carried me away and He takes me to the dead things of my life and that's good news. Often we allow pain to get hold of us, disappointment to get hold of us, discouragement to get hold of us. In fact, as I was preparing this message, the Lord reminded me that there are three weapons Satan uses to attack the church. Here they are. Discouragement, disunity and disobedience. They are the three major weapons that Satan uses to attack the church. But for every weapon God, uh, the devil has, God has a better one. And what's his weapon? Encouragement, obedience, unity. And often as a church, we give in to the enemy's attack. In just a second, I'm gonna speak prophetically. I don't know anything about this other than in prayer, it became so strong. And I wanna talk about if we're gonna have a journey of discipleship in this church, we need to give leadership to our tongue. And I wanna talk about that in just a moment. A lot of people go home and have roast pasta for lunch after church, but you know, um, our tongue is very... Very important. My journey in personal revival is God getting my attention. Then takes me to the dead things of my life and He gets me to speak God's truth into those dead bones and then honesty and acknowledgement of those dead things releases God's breath in my life. My concern about revival and charismatics and Pentecostals have this thing, revival's coming. Revival's around the corner. It's been the longest corner. I don't know for how many years. <laughs> Revival's around the corner. And I do believe in awakenings and visitation, but we've not had habitation. The awakenings of visitation, but personal revival is habitation. And so Jesus said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Not one day will be upon me. The God of Gunnar, one day He's gonna do it. No, the Spirit of the Lord is. The Lord is my shepherd, not was or will be. And we're all waiting for a moment of breakthrough when we can have the Spirit of the Lord upon us now. And awakenings are refreshing. Awakenings are awesome, but how much better than those awakenings only enhance what's already happening in our own hearts as we are personally revived. So I'm just gonna take a couple more minutes. Is that okay? As if Pastor Tony would say no. <laughs> I'll be real quick. If the musicians come, <laughs> that'll, that'll help. <laughs> First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 19. How do we stay in personal revival? This is it. It's our personal responsibility. It's not the pastor. It's not the music. It's not how loud or how soft or whether the air conditioning was too cold or not. It's not about others creating the moment for us. Yeah. It's our personal responsibility. In 1 Thessalonians 5.19, it says, do not put out the Spirit's fire. It doesn't say the Lord has to do this. We can't put out the Spirit's fire. A fire needs three things very quickly. It needs fuel. And to me, fuel is the Word of God. Yeah. You cannot be a strong Christian without the Bible. Now, what I'm going to say really does sound offensive, but it is true. A wordless Christianity is a worthless Christianity. Yeah. 
You can have the latest Tesla. You can have the latest hot V8, whatever. If you don't put fuel in it or electricity, it ain't gonna move. We've had years of showing off our cars, but there's no fuel in them. And we need fuel and the fuel is the Word of God. And in Matthew 7 says, the man that built his house on the rock was the guy that heard the Word and applied it. The guy that built his house on the sand was the guy that heard the Word of God and did nothing with it. And I've got to be honest, please don't take this as a rebuke. I really don't because I'm speaking to me. I can't remember what was preached four weeks ago. People come to church and after the meeting, they can't remember what was said, except when Pastor Tony preaches because it's so brilliant and you remember everything. I'll get a pay rise for that. No, no, no. We don't remember. Why is God speaking discipleship right now? Because that which we do individually and with one another in speaking the Word into our lives has incredible effect. We need oxygen, which is the Holy Spirit to me. We need to ask the Holy Spirit to infuse us with understanding, with His power to teach us, to guide us, to comfort us. And the next thing fire needs is heat, which speaks to me about the warmth of relationship. That's why the emphasis on discipleship right now, it's not just a new thing. It's an old thing. It's the Bible. And if we put the Word of God in us, it affects our tongue. Now I know I'm gonna be very fast, but this is a prophetic word to all of us. It says in James chapter three, that the tongue can direct like a ship or like the bridle in a horse's mouth, but it can also destroy like a fire. Criticism is love turned cold. I wrote in my notes something I read the other day about the word think, just going down each letter. Think before you speak. T is true, is it true? H, is it helpful? I, is it inspiring? N, is it is it necessary? And K, is it kind? Our tongues, our tongues can delight God by our worship and the way we speak. They can destroy like a fire. And like, you know, they, they, can, they can direct us. The horse directs, but we can go the wrong way. And I just felt this, not blind loyalty, biblical loyalty. When you're in a room and people are attacking other people in the church, Are you going to stand there and take it and listen to it? And if you can do that, do it. If you believe Jesus can be standing next to you while you're doing it. Because I believe part of an awakening is we begin to speak in another tongue. A lot of people speak in tongues that need to learn to speak in another tongue. It's the tongue of encouragement. The tongue of bringing answers, not just the problems. And I would like to give everybody homework when you're in a home group and you're in a meeting and people start attacking leadership or attacking that, I'm not talking about addressing because anything can be addressed because we've got to be open to talk about things. We don't want blind loyalty. We want biblical loyalty, but we don't need to be attacked. Addressing and attacking are very different. And I believe God is changing the tongue of the church so that unity can come, so encouragement can come, so obedience can come. And so how I've stayed in personal revival and still do is approach God with those three postures. This week I was hearing my son preach. 
the one that was in his mum's belly in that picture. And he was speaking about Jesus at the centre. And he said, four things that I'll leave you right now with in closing. That's the third closure. (laughs) He said, every day I welcome God into my world. He said, I'm getting a leaf out of Dad's book because it all starts with W. He says, I welcome God every day. Number two, then I worship God. And I say, Jesus, I worship You today. I wanna give You the honour that's due to Your Name. Then I stop and put the Word into me. And then He said, I learnt this from my dad and it made me feel real good. (laughs) He said, and then I write. I write what the Word's told me. You know, just doing those four things and I could have not said any of the rest of the message can keep you in personal revival. Thanks for listening to this podcast. We trust that you're encouraged by this powerful message. You always have a place to call home here at Life and we invite you to join us for our Sunday services at our Adelaide campus. If you'd like to know more about Life, then visit our website at lifeadelaide.org or download the Life Adelaide app and stay connected.